0: Hi, I'm Susanna Keith, founder and CEO of Hello Career Guru, Inc. We so appreciate your listening to our podcast. Hello Career Guru, Inc. is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally, no matter what age, background, income, geography, or race. Hello Career Guru offers a woman one unifying online platform for developing their personalized career game plan which is powered by executive C suite insights. For this episode of our Hello Career Guru Salon, we have Shelley Arshambo, who is one of high tech's first female minority CEOs who has been featured frequently in Forbes, the New York Times, Business Insider. Shelley was an executive at IBM and president of blockbuster.com. She was then recruited to be CEO of a Silicon Valley startup which is now MetricStream, a recognized global leader in governance, risk, and compliance software solutions. She holds board seats at Verizon, Nordstrom, and Okta. In addition, Shelly has just published a book called Unapologetically Ambitious. Shelly, thanks so much for joining us today. We are very excited to have a conversation with you about your innovative technology career.
1: Well, thank you. I've been looking forward to it, Susanna.
0: That's great. So Shelly, there are so many successful minority female CEOs or executives in our country. What did you do differently to land this career? And what is your superpower? Hmm.
1: Frankly, Susanna, it was very clear to me early in life that the odds just weren't in my favor. All I had to do was to look up and I didn't see people who looked like me running things. And I wanted to run a business. So realizing that the odds weren't in my favor, I've been very intentional about everything that I've done to try to improve the odds to actually get and achieve my aspirations. And, you know, what makes it different is a lot of people will create some goals and some people will take the time to actually put a plan in place to achieve the goal, but very few people make decisions every single day consistent with their plans. And that's literally what I did. It was working through intentionally with discipline um, and courage. You know, if you think you asked about superpowers, right? The superpowers that I've got are discipline and courage. And the good news for everybody is I wasn't born with either one. So you can develop your superpowers. (laughs) But having discipline was important so I could follow the plan and courage to take risks because you have to take risks in order to create opportunity.
0: Well, given those superpowers, Shelley, which really, I mean, are so helpful for our audience to hear about that you can develop those, how did you pick your career roles? You landed amazing roles one after another. Was that intentional or luck?
1: Definitely intentional, Uh, but sometimes lucky, right? I didn't always know exactly what role I was going to get, but I was intentional about the kind of role. I'll give you an example. I came out of Wharton to join IBM and decided I wanted to be CEO of IBM. Because back when I came out, IBM was the leader in tech and I wanted to run a technology company. So I said, great, I'll run IBM. (laughs) (laughs) So so here I am, right? Here I am in my my early 20s, right out of Wharton. And I start IBM in sales. And my friends think I'm absolutely nuts. Coming out of Wharton and you're gonna take a sales job? You're gonna sell like computers? because they're going off to be investment bankers, international financiers, and P&G product managers, all these sexy jobs that I'm going to go sell. Well, I had done my research, which is a big part of being intentional. And every single CEO at IBM started out in sales. So therefore, I determined it had to be the path to power. So that's why I started out in sales. wasn't well, because I was in love with selling. It's because that was the right job to build the right skills based upon what other people had done. So I was intentional as I went after each of these different career steps to indeed get the skills needed to be able to ultimately compete well for a
0: CEO job. Shelly, that is such a great C-suite insight that you, number one, did your research, and number two, you looked at what was the main funnel in your organization to get to the path of CEO, and that was sales and IBM, and you found the path that was king. So that, that's incredible. And given that, um, I know that your business was about negotiation and sales, but what has been the hardest negotiation and discussion you have had, for example, for a new role, promotion, et cetera, and how did you manage it?
1: Okay, well, picture this. So you mentioned that I was president of Blockbuster.com, which I was in the late 90s when Blockbuster was actually a behemoth. I think they had a store within three and a half miles of like 80% of Americans. Um, But after moving my family to Dallas, Texas, and being on the job for seven or eight months, it became clear that Blockbuster really didn't have the vision for the future. So, hmm, I'm now in Dallas. Well, there aren't many tech jobs in Dallas at the time. So I'm like, all right, I have to get myself to Silicon Valley. (laughs) So now I'm reaching out and interviewing for jobs in Silicon Valley. Well, what that means is I need the company to move me and my family, right, in order for me to get the job. So here I am. I found an opportunity because I wanted ideally something in telecom because I had technology and I had internet. And I felt, based on my experience at Blockbuster, all three, internet, technology, and telecom were all coming together. So I wanted that technology, that um, telecommunications experience so that I could have the triumphant. So I found an opportunity with North Point, which was one of the first DSL companies, put high-speed internet um, lines in people's homes, DSL lines. And it was for sales. So okay, I'm interviewing for an EVP of sales. And I asked them the question, which, oh, by the way, just a side tip whenever you get a new job, make sure you ask this question, which is how are you going to measure success? Because so many times how they measure success is different from the job description. Or not included in the job description. So if you want to know what's going to determine your success, you need to ask the question. Well, when I asked the question, the answer I got back was, well, growth and sales. Of course, you expect that. They wanted to also reduce the cost of sale. And they wanted to move quickly because they were having challenges. I said, okay, well, if you want me to reduce the cost of sale, then I need marketing too. Because marketing is 50% of the cost of sale." So they weren't planning to do that. They already had people running marketing. But I was able to put it in their terms, why it would be a benefit for the company to have me have both, if that's what they really want to achieve. And so I became the EVP of sales and chief marketing officer. But it didn't stop there. I said, all right, you also talked about the importance of speed. You want me to start right away, get going, etc. Well, the best way for me to get up to speed and be productive right away is if I bring my assistant with me. So I want you to hire my assistant and move her and her family also to California. Pretty big ask, right? <laughs> they did it. They did it. I got the job that I wanted and I got the assistant and her family in California.
0: That's that's incredible. And I think it's all about that. It's such a brilliant negotiation. You knew what you needed you knew what was important to set you up for success, Shelly, and that's really an important thing that people, as they look to get to the C-suite like you, they need to look at the ways where their talents are and to set themselves up for success. And that was such a great story about you know, what you had to do with your family. And given who you are now, you know, being a normal everyday person, many of us, like you are balancing career with family and personal priorities What is your approach to what people call work-life balance and your philosophy on work integration?
1: Yeah. So first of all, Susanna, I cannot stand the term work-life balance. And let me explain why. What is a balance? A balance is a fixed structure, right? A pole down the middle, a bar across the top, two weights on each side that are even at all times, right? That's a balance. Well, that is a static structure. Whose life is static? No, life does this, up and down, up and down the (laughs) waves and highs and lows and all this craziness. And to be measured on whether or not I'm holding things in balance, static at all times while I'm riding all these crazy waves of life, that's ridiculous. I feel like that whole term was created to make us all feel perpetually guilty. So, no, no, no. I believe in work-life integration. It's all about getting your priorities accomplished my professional priorities, and my personal priorities. Because guess what? I'm one person. So I do the combination of the priorities and then I reprioritize. So I get done what's important on both sides. And those things that I can't get to, I have to let go or find somebody else to do. But that's the way I do it. This notion of trying to say, okay, I spent two hours over here. So now I got to spend two hours over here to keep it in balance. And, or, oh, I got to, you know, I'm a different person. Like I take off one hat and put on the other hat. No, I'm one person. I'm the same person. So I believe that integration, trying to get multiple things done at once has been my, you know, key strategy. So exercise is important to me. I do walks and talks all the time prior to COVID, but even with COVID, even if it's on the phone. I'll do a meeting where I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm walking because that way I get my exercise in and I get my work done. When my husband and I used to go out, i loved performing arts. Absolutely. Concerts, dance, right? All those things you talk about. Well, instead of just going out by ourselves, we invite 30 friends. Why? Because it gave us a chance to, in one evening, see our friends, enjoy what we want to enjoy, go out to dinner. You make a whole event out of it, Right. And then it's memorable and people remember that they were all part of that. So
0: integrate life. Don't keep it separate. Oh, wow. I? I mean, that's just so breakthrough, especially with the way that you can network and connect at the same time, but then still feel healthy and fulfilled, which I think is really important to do in your career. And that's a C-suite insight. You have to love what you do and be passionate about it. And I love how you're bringing that passion to every part of your life. That is so inspiring. And so given, you know, the passion, the zest for life that you have, um, what strategies have you used to effectively deal with conflict?
1: Mm, That's a really good one because conflict happens all the time. So my strategy is one that I call peel the onion. And what I mean by that is typically at work, you believe, you know, conflict could be simple as you believe you should do A, somebody else believes you should do B. Okay. Well, they have reasons for believing that just like you have reasons. Well, the key is to peel the onion back, understand why do you think B, right? Get under, uncover those assumptions and then peel back those assumptions in terms of, okay, why are those your assumptions? What are the facts that are underneath it? The P is you keep peeling until you find where you actually both agree. Because at the end of the day, you will. If you're in the same organization, you are trying to accomplish the same thing. So eventually you keep peeling, you are gonna find common ground. Once you find that common ground, then you build back up together because you've now learned a great deal in peeling the onion about how they think, about what's important, right priorities, all those things. So peel the onion and then build it back up again.
0: Well, that peel the onion, that's such a great analogy with looking at how you can handle conflict. And one of the biggest things I think that women find with conflict and in the workplace, um, Shelly, is they have trouble speaking up for their their rights and for their work life and even asking questions, in particular when they're very junior or the only woman or even a minority person in the room, um, they have a hard time speaking up. Why is it important to ask questions as a leader? And what advice do you have for people to overcome that fear of asking questions?
1: Hmm. You know, the key, let me talk about overcoming the fear first, and then I'll talk about the importance. So if you live, if you live your life in fear and not doing things because you're afraid, you're going to be so limited on what you're actually able to do and accomplish. Which would be a travesty because each of you listening has amazing capabilities and value to offer to the world, and we want it all. So, when you're sitting there and you're feeling afraid, the first thing is ask yourself, Why? Why why am I feeling afraid? You know, what I used to ask myself, matter of fact, I still do when I'm getting ready to take a risk, because when you feel afraid, it's usually because you feel something is risky. Right, you're either gonna raise your hand, and you might be somebody might think you're stupid, or that was not a good question, or whatever it might be. Right, so everything is, means you're taking a risk. Well, the question I'd always ask myself is, all right, if I do it, what's the worst that can happen? And then the next question is, can I live with it? And if you actually analyze it, you probably can, because when you say, why am I not raising my hand? The answer typically is because you might get embarrassed well, is it going to kill you? I mean, can you actually live with it? Is it going to put you in the poorhouse, right? Is it going to make you lose your marriage? Is it going to, no, it's not going to do any of those things. So guess what? You can probably live with it. And once you just realize that, then it's about developing courage. Go back to my answer to question number one, right? You can develop courage. The way you develop courage, it's just like a muscle. You know, I exercise. Exercise is real important to me. So if you're trying to build up your muscles, how do you do it? You keep doing curls and you get biceps, right? The more you do it, the stronger you get. Well, guess what? Take risks. You know, you raise your hand, you ask it the first time, and you realize you didn't die. Oh my God, you survived after asking a question. <laughs> well, maybe the next time you can ask it again, right? And what happens is if you, if you just push yourself, you're gonna get used to that feeling of discomfort. Now, let me explain what this discomfort is. The discomfort that you're feeling of, oh, I don't wanna ask the question, or I don't wanna step forward, or I don't wanna speak in front of the group, or I don't, you know, whatever it is, that, that discomfort. Well, you feel discomfort when you are learning. The reason you feel discomfort is because you're not used to doing it. It's a new experience. In order to succeed in life, you need to be learning all the time. So it's okay to feel discomfort. As a matter of fact, if you haven't felt uncomfortable in like the last 60 days, then you're not pushing yourself. You're coasting. And guess what? There's only one direction a car coasts and it's downhill. So do not coast. Make sure that periodically you're feeling uncomfortable because that means you're learning and you need to learn every step of the way. I am still learning. I am still put in positions where I'm uncomfortable. And if I'm not, then I go look for them because frankly, I need to be and want to be a continual learner. That's how you're able to continue to add value because things evolve and things change and you can't stay on top of everything if you're not learning. So get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Ask yourself what's the worst that can happen. Realize that you can live with it and then push forward. And if you still have trouble pushing forward, then try to use peer pressure. Tell a friend, tell a coworker. All right, next meeting, I'm gonna ask a question. Hold me to it right? Well, now you have the peer pressure of yourself trying to push, but then you also know, because they're going to keep looking at you, that they're going to be on your case until you actually ask a question in the meeting. So just figure out ways. I mean, I'm a big believer in using peer pressure to help you drive discipline and get things done. I've done that my whole life.
0: That's wonderful. And I think it really stems back to your courage is infectious, Sally. (laughs) I mean, it just definitely inspires people and so does your book to go out and really make a difference in their career, stand up for their beliefs and stand up for their passion because everybody struggles with things in their careers and it's important to be continually learning. And so given that, Shelly, what are the three biggest things you struggle with most? (laughs) Oh man.
1: So the first (laughs) is saying no. I just like to help. And so it just hurts me to my core when I have to say no. So saying no is hard. What else do I struggle with? Electronics. Oh my gosh. Don't, I mean, uh, <laughs> that I've put together, made work. I want help doing it. That is not my strength. And probably the third thing is not getting enough sleep, right? It's always a struggle to make myself, all right, Shelly, you need to go to bed, right?
0: Um, because there's so much to do I love it. This is just so, Shelly, this is just so real. Like you've been such a senior executive and then to share all these insights about you just being a real person and being so successful really means so much to our listeners. And so Shelly, if you were looking back on life, what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Make sure people know what you do. I can't, and you're probably thinking, what? I will tell you, most people don't know what other people do, even friends. You might know what company they work for, you might even know their title, but you don't know what they actually do. Well, if people don't know what you do, then they can't think of you when new opportunities come along. They can't think of you when people say, Hey, do you know anybody that has XYZ skill? Well, they don't know what skills you've got, they just know what company you work for and maybe your title. And for as much as we fight for titles, titles are meaningless. They're meaningless because a title for one company, I'm the manager of operations. Great, what does that mean? It varies not only from company to company, but heck, within the same company, a manager of operations in one department does something very different from manager of operations in another department. And so therefore your titles mean nothing the company that you work for, that doesn't help people with your skills. So most people have no idea what other people do. No, make sure people know what you do when they ask you. And they always do, because in our society, it's common practice. You meet somebody, hi, how are you? You know, what do you do, right? You ask that question. And people say, oh, I'm manager of operations at XYZ company. And that's all we say. No, no, no. What you want to say is, Oh, I'm manager of operations for XYZ company. I'm responsible for the implementations of all of our strategic customers in the Western region. All right. Now they know a number of things. One, they know you're actually a manager of a broad range, a region. So you probably have people reporting to you. Strategic clients. Okay. You're customer facing. So you must obviously understand that. Implementation. So you have process knowledge, transformation knowledge, right? All of a sudden, they know skills. Then when somebody says to them six months later, hey, you know anybody who's knows something about strategic clients and transformation or whatever? It's like, oh yeah, yeah. I was just talking to Sonal. Sonal knows that. Now they think about you, and suddenly opportunities come your way.
0: So, make sure people know what you do. Shelly, that's excellent. I've heard you speak a couple times now, and I really loved how you use that piece about, especially for a junior person when they're in a meeting, and. The boss goes around the table. It is so important, like you said, to say not just your title, but what you actually do. And that makes sure that you're on the radar screen of bosses. And especially now that we're in this Zoom or Google Meet or whichever your virtual system or your technology is, that's the kind of skill that can really help everyone. So I I thank you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation. We truly appreciate your time today, Shelly. Your insights from your inspiring career as a CEO and corporate board member are so helpful to others as they navigate their game plan and create thought leadership like you. Meanwhile, thanks to all who are listening to our podcast. Don't forget to pick up a copy of Shelly's book, Unapologetically Ambitious, at your local bookstore online or via Audible. In closing, Hello Career Guru is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally no matter what age, background, income, geography, or race. Hello Career Guru offers women one unifying online platform for developing their personalized game plan, which is powered by Executive C-Suite Insights. Shelley, how would people find you on social media, etc.? Yes. So
1: LinkedIn, I'm the only one spelled this way. So I'm easy to find. (laughs) And my handle is at Shell, S-H-E-L, R-Chambeau for all the other platforms. You can also follow find me at Shelly.com, S-H-E-L-L-Y-E.com. And if anything I've said was interesting or inspiring, post about it. I'm trying to spread the word and make people aware uh, that this book is out here and out here to help you, help you achieve your aspirations.